0: Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. uh, We just had a retreat, and uh, and a week later we're having a uh, mission trip. And so I'm in between, between two mountaintops, I'm in a valley. But I think God speaks greatly in valleys, does he not? And I want to start my sermon with a question for you. And the question simply is, are you here? Are you here? And how soon will you leave? Keep that up for a second. Um, My wife got me on Facebook a few years ago. Um, I'm always, she's my tech. My wife is a tech director uh, at an elementary school system. And uh, she, I've always been about 12 steps behind. uh, But she's introduced me to things like the Palm Pilot when I was using the day runner and uh, a laptop, um, and uh, eventually things like the iPhone and such as that, um, and eventually, and I always resist. I'm always like, "Why?" I and then as soon as I get it, "Wow, this is the best thing!" I've done, You know. <laughs> and um, so I got on Facebook three years ago, and uh, and um, got connected, reconnected with people from so long ago. I I think I beat the record here. I have somebody I haven't seen in over 42 years become my Facebook friend. Most of you are not old enough (laughs) to to beat that record. Um, But one one friend I want to mention in particular is a college friend who I hadn't seen in 30 some years. And uh, we reconnected on Facebook, his name's Larry. Uh, Larry lived on the same floor, the ninth floor, at Moody Bible Institute with me. And uh, it was a crazy floor doing crazy things. And he fit right in. Uh, Larry just came to know the Lord that year. Um, He was a gangster. Um, He uh, ran with the gangs. Um, He got into his share of bar fights. Um, I remember him... He was my next-door neighbor in the dorms. And he would spend a lot of his time on the floor with a 50-pound weight behind his head doing crunches. Um, And uh, he loved martial arts. um, And uh, back in the days, he loved a good fight. Uh, He wasn't really good at it, um, but he he didn't back down from anybody. Um, And uh, he, as he, in his... Uh, excitement about knowing the Lord in a uh, for the first time in a new way um, was just gung ho. Uh, he took the books of Romans as one of his class, and he took on the challenge to memorize the book of Romans. Um, and so, while uh, that countless times of doing his crunches, he'd be going through Paul, and the apostle, you know, and getting through uh, you know fifth chapter, sixth chapter, and seventh chapter, and um. And uh, he came in a little later than me, so when I graduated, uh, we lost touch. Um, and uh, then on Facebook, we, we re- got reacquainted. And on Facebook, I like to put these little proverbial thoughts from time to time. And uh, Larry reacts, has reacted to them constantly. I have. I, I once printed out uh, my conversations with Larry and they come to, on that small, fine, eight-font print, single space, about 150 pages. And uh, I would I write something like, God is uh, seeking to work out our glory in our life every day. And then he would respond something like, Really? I don't think God does that. Um, and through the conversations, I've had friends uh, come up to me in real life and say, "Who is this guy?" Um, and because um, sometimes he'd be the funniest guy. Hey, look, Dave. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> um, he would he'd be funny, but he'd be crude as anything. And there's been countless of times where I'm like, "Do I delete this comment?" Um, but I've kept it on and. And we'd have these long, hard pages of dialogue about simply, when I came to put it in in a broad perspective, is the question, is God really involved? And he's come um, to a full circle, sadly to say, is that he's pretty deistic. Yes, God created. Yes, he even believes that Jesus died. But that's it. Now he's left the world alone, and it's up to us to be courageous and living our life the best we can. And we have tons of conversation um, regarding, is God involved now? You know, I think in some ways, on a practical, maybe not theological, but on a practical sense, we live a lot like Larry. We may do our spiritual disciplines. We may try to live as morally and actively as possible in the church. But we've lost contact. And we've stopped expecting God. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I sang that song countless times when I was 18 at teen camps. That was a song that was sung at our wedding. It infers that I expect something, that I expect him to show up. I look for him this day. But sadly, uh, I wish uh, it wasn't true, but there's been too many days when I've woken up not expecting anything because my mind and my heart is on something else. So I turn to you to share with you a passage that I think was God's first message to a bunch of people that stopped expecting him. And it's from the book of Jeremiah. But to introduce the book, I have Oh, I have something for you. Can you start this for us? Oh. All right. This video will help explain. Can you double-click it? Hey, You've got to hit the red button, right? Maybe we should have practiced. We really don't have it. Yes, yeah, it's in the slide. What? Will you <laughs> I've had my technology uh, director do this. <laughs> <laughs> it worked it worked it worked. It worked this morning. Um, no go. All right. Oh, I'm so disappointed. disappointed. What? Disappointed. <laughs> well, I will. I will. Uh, I had to pull my daughter and Jacob up front, and uh, um, so um, well, let's go to the next one. Um. Hmm. Okay. Um. We're going to look at. Uh, the book of Jeremiah, second chapter. And Jeremiah um, was a prophet in the Old Testament um, who uh, came just before the Babylonian exile. And the people of Judah had stopped um, expecting God and started turning to other things. Um, And so, Um, in the message of Jeremiah, the whole book, is all about speaking to a people um, who stopped expecting and God's exhortation um, to to them. Let me read to you the start of chapter 2. This is the very first message given. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and proclaim in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord. I remember concerning you the devotions of your youth, the love of your betrothal, your following after me in the wilderness, through a land that was not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his harvest. All who ate of it became guilty. Evil came upon them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. So the very first thing that God wanted to tell them is, I remember. God remembered the relationship he had with them in the past. He remembered the romance, the devotion, the holiness of the relationship between him and them, that they were meant for him and no one else. What's implied in this passage right here is that they forgot these things, and Jeremiah is out to remind them that forgetting is a spiritual mistake, And remembering is a spiritual practice. I've been a counselor, Christian counselor, for 20-some years now. And in counseling, um, sometimes when a marriage is going sour, one of the things you implore them to do in that first moment um, is to get them to remember. Remember the youth, that place between the couple. The first first words of healing are often, I remember, do you? Same is true when a faith grows dry, that God says, I remember, do you? The first words of the beloved, I remember our love relationship." In a time of great spiritual romance between us, the soon question is, what happened? Well, sometimes we don't expect anything anymore because we have forgotten. Somehow we've drifted off and gotten ourselves preoccupied with other things. It all starts with that drifting of our intention. Sometimes uh, we're um, in marriage. uh, We're doing a marriage series, Vicki and I, uh, this coming year. Communication and some other areas of marriage enrichment. You'll hear more about it soon. Um, But sometimes when I talk about communication, and particularly I talk about listening and paying attention to one another. And I do this little illustration that, you know, listening to, uh, involves giving your whole attention to somebody. and But when we do that, it kind of goes like this yeah, that's kind of how it is. And then, yeah, yeah. And then there's this voice hey, you know, who's that new girl at church today? Yeah, oh. And then that other voice speaks in behind hey, Hey, yeah, what are they going to have for snacks today? Like oh, we got that important soccer game this afternoon, you know, and it's against the other team. You know? um, there are things that are constantly um, pulling us in our minds to, to forget the main thing. God so longs to step in in our days. He so longs to step in here this day, and speak to you. Sometimes God shows up in breakthroughs. Um, And sometimes the breakthroughs are huge, and sometimes the breakthroughs are small. Um, In the late 1980s, I was going through seminary and uh, struggling with my calling. What What does God want? And I, seek to be, uh, I sought to be very diligent in um, looking uh, for what God would have for me. And uh, I was finishing up seminary, and I had uh, an internship to set myself up to do. And um, through a series of, of circumstances that are way too long to explain, um, there came a moment when God broke through. Um, I had, uh, asked a, a pastor in Hawaii who I knew and from Wheaton College, uh, who said to me when I was doing seminary, check me out and maybe you could do an intern at my church. And something clicked, something in my heart said, this is where I want to, I want to be connected here. It wasn't about the beaches, <laughs> um, but I want to do it here. And, um, and so I worked hard, um, he made it very clear that the church wasn't going to be able to pay for anything. So I had to have the money, and uh, I, was go- I was at Trinity, and Trinity makes you pay tuition even though you are doing an internship. And so I had a lot of money to come out with. And uh, a few weeks um, before the, um, this big breakthrough from God, the pastor said, okay, let's figure it out. If you're going to stay with us six months for an internship, we need to figure that you need to make about God has to bring in in your life. And uh, he said, you know, between rent and expenses and cost of tuition, that was our number. He just threw it out there, $5,000. He said, okay, he said, let's pray and see how God works. Um, In that event, in two weeks, I quit a job because of moral uh, compromises that I was concerned about. Uh, I um, got in a motorcycle accident and I had to pay for some repairs, and uh, and I waited, you know. Gosh, how is this going to happen? Um, one evening on a Saturday evening, I went to pick up a friend, and we were going to go to a um, visit a guy who owned the club, and who gave me a bunch of tickets and said, "Bring your friends, love we'll to see you." So I said, "Okay." Uh, it was nine o'clock in Saturday night. Went to pick up a couple friends. And I drove a big old 98 uh, back then, huge car, so we all climbed in. And as I walked around to the driver's uh, door, I thought I saw a rock about this big right under my front wheel. And I said to myself, okay, I'm going to just shove the, push the rock away and, um, just so I don't drive over it, get it flat. As I reached down closer and closer, I realized, well, this ain't a rock. And I reached down, and picked it up, and it was this wad of money um, wrapped in a rubber band. So I went into the car and showed my friends. And, uh, I, I reached my hand, down with my other hand and closed my mouth. Um, and, uh, and we, we just kind of froze for a second. So I thought, you know, we better call the police, call the police. I don't know if that's what I should have done, done. I don't know if that's what I should have done. But I did anyway. And while we were waiting for him, or well, for the police, uh, we started decided I decided I'll count the money. And they were in little slivers of hundreds, like one one hundred dollar bills, 10 10s, et etc. 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 Guess what it counted up to? Right on the nose, five thousand dollars. Police came, um, oh I should have brought the receipt. It gave me a receipt. Thirty days later, no one claims that it's yours. So thirty days I waited. I okay, went to the uh, police uh, department in the city. Um, no one claimed it. And the city of Chicago wrote me out of the check that sent me to Hawaii uh, to do my internship. Sometimes God breaks through in a big way. Now, I promise you, that was in the 80s. I haven't found another wad of money. Uh, but God has broke through sometimes in different ways, small and big. So sometimes God breaks through this day. Sometimes God speaks in His quiet words to us, in His voice, in that inner voice. When jo- Joel is eight right now, and when she was uh, five years old, starting kindergarten, I think, we started uh, morning devotions. And we did these ABC devotions. God is um like god is what is it amazing um, um if uh, those of you who didn't go to retreat this is the new church greeting to one another right <laughs> god is amazing uh, and or god is uh bold or god is uh and things like cd all the way through and every time we, we do the devotion we have a time of prayer. we ask for god uh, to watch us over our day and we'd always have when we started this practice of listening we just Dead stop silence and say, "Okay, God, maybe you have something for us to say." And Joelle, being five years old, it was a spiritual practice that I was trying to install with her. I said, "Okay, I'll, we'll record everything that happens. Each one of those moments where we're silent for a minute or two um, with God, and then we'd we'd have silence." And Jo, as it gone along, sometimes Joey said, "Well, okay, God, speak to us for a minute." In any way, and Anyway, she, and she gave me something like, uh, "God said, be compassionate. oh, that 's good. I write that down. Be compassionate." Other times, I saw a star in the sky, and I'm like, oh, that 's nice. I write it down and we talk. And then you know, I would share what I think he 's saying to me in, in that brief moment. And one day, um, she, she lifts up her head and she says, "You know, God said to me, "I am her, his flower." He waters me with love. And I go, oh, I'm writing that one down. <laughs> uh, and uh, as uh, weeks gone by, well, that thing just chewed in me and chewed in me. Because I have to be honest, doing this exercise and trusting that God's going to speak to my, my little girl at five years old, I don't have the theology for that. I don't know how that works. I, I just put it out there. But God speaks, and he speaks to us. He has something for us. This is the day the Lord has made. So sometimes it's through breakthroughs, and sometimes it's in that inner voice, whether it be out of the reading of the word or out of prayer or in that quiet, silent place of listening. And sometimes God has something for us this day through the grind of life. Um. My wife and I have been married 17 years now, um, probably half the length of that couple right over there, I would guess. Um, and uh, out of that 17 years, uh, probably 16 of them <coughs> have been um, my wife dealing with my health. Um, my wife and I met, we were very active, we, uh, went on bike trips. We actually played in a basketball tournament together once. Um, we, were, we were very, um, very, very active. And um, into the end of the first year, beginning of the second year, something had started happening to me, and I didn't get it. But my health radically, radically changed. And um, I had half my lung capacity taken away. And things it's happened like uh, I was walk, we'd walk with our dogs, and I couldn't keep up with my wife walking. It happened with trying to get on a bike, and a, a few blocks into it, I'm out of wind. It happened when I tried to get with the boys to shoot hoops, and for some reason, I couldn't go up and down the court. Um, and I, and um, I'm in good place right now with my body and my health, and I'm very thankful for that. But for, 17 years, for 15, 16 of those years of marriage, um, God constantly had to come to me with my wife in that grind and remind her that he is there. Um, because early on, one of my biggest, I don't know if my, uh, if my wife, you, if you really remember, but one of my first deepest moments with my wife uh, in our first year of marriage was her fear of me leaving her and that her, she would be alone. And in the grind of the years ahead, um, God, through the pain and through the uh, uncertainty, spoke deeply to her that I am here. See, God is about wanting to be in this day and in this moment. He's one, you know, even more so in in the company or two or more believers, He wants to manifest himself even greater. That's what Jesus says. Where two or more are gathered, there I am. He's he's there in a greater way in this place, in this church. The expectation that when we come together, where are you? What did you come when you come on Sundays? or in your small groups, or in any gathering? How ready, how expectant are you that God would do something great? The problem is, we forget. Expecting God requires attentiveness. When the society fuels us with distractions, we we lose that muscle, of attentiveness, to stay in that moment and receive whatever God is giving. There's way too many things. It used to be things that were kept at home, but now they're brought into our lives everywhere we go, including the church. It takes mental and emotional muscles to stay attentive. A definition of a mystic, and that's one of my comments, one of my thoughts when I heard God, my daughter, say what God was saying to her, is that I'm raising a mystic. Um, Mystics are those who look for God everywhere they go, in everything they do, and in everyone they meet. They invoke, that is, they request his presence, and look in anticipation that God would be there. It's our distractiveness that keeps us from attentiveness. And it takes a rebuilding of our attentiveness to start expecting again. Here's a few suggestions of what you can do to rebuild your attentive muscles. One, you may want to fast from distractions. If your mind is preoccupied on sports, maybe you need to take a break from sports. If you are a gamer, maybe you need to stop for a while from gaming. If you're a social network tech circuit, maybe you need a fast from that. I don't know what it is, but maybe you need a fast. Um, devote practice, practicing times of focus. To pay attention. Spiritual attention. Invite his presence Because God, when he shows up, he's not he doesn't his manifestations isn't impositional, it's invitational. Invite him. You may want to journal and record reflections um, of what you impressions you have of God perhaps saying or doing. And simply pray, Jesus, what do you have for me right now? The next point. Th- these are really funny videos, by the way. I just to, so, um, And uh, let's go to the next part of the passage in Jeremiah 2, 5 through 8. It says, thus says the Lord, what injustice, I got to read from here, did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty. They did not say, Where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and deep darkness, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. I brought you into a fruitful land to eat its fruit and its good things, But you came and defiled my land and my inheritance. You made an abomination. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that did not profit. Um, The skit was my daughter and... Um, no, I can't tell you. It's not, it doesn't work that way. Um, so Jeremiah's uh, sermon continues. And he talks about the fathers of the people. Uh, when the signs of God's great manifestations are no longer under their nose, uh, they got impatient and they looked elsewhere. That phrase here, where is the Lord, is about They stopped looking for him. They were no longer on the lookout for their God. It presumes, where is the Lord presumes an expectation that God makes himself known? But it takes them to look. They stopped asking Their leaders, their priests stopped asking, where is the Lord? They neither remembered nor did they look. And because of that, they turned to empty things. Okay, I got to tell you about the video. So the video is this contest between my daughter and Uncle Jacob. And um, they are collecting these grains. They got three bags and there's... They have these little spoons about this bag, and they have to fill the, the, gra- uh, the uh, bags with grain and race over and, uh, to the other side, the finish line. And the first one who finishes putting the grains is. And they're specifically taught to stay focused, pay attention. And as they do, my daughter's diligently paying attention. And Jacob, yeah, as you all know how Jacob is, is a little bit distracted. And uh, but there's this bubble machine that's, that comes out, and bubbles starts kind of floating between them. And my do- but my daughter, due diligence, just paying her attention. And Jacob, he gets caught up in the bubbles. And, uh, floats. and then all of a sudden, he just forgets the grain, takes the bag, and starts trying to fill the bag with bubbles instead. And he's, getting, he's so excited about that, he wraps it up. And, then, and he's the first to win. He's got three bags of Bubbles. And uh, he says, uh, and then eventually Joelle comes, and she's got her three bags of grain. And the judge uh, looks at the uh, first bag of Jacob's and puts his hand, and it's empty. Uh, And then, you know, throws it away. And then uh, Joelle has her bags full of grain. Um, And uh, that was my witty uh, uh, illustration of uh, this passage that the in the New uh, American Standard Version – They say that they pursued emptiness and they became empty. Um, It is our impatience. We don't expect anything because we have um, not, we have lost our patience with God. In our impatience, we've been distracted by these things. We've been distracted by the bubbles. You know, um, in a attachment relational theory of psychology, they make it very clear that um, we are born into this world empty, wanting to be filled. We have a fundamental yearning to be filled All of us do. And we start that at birth. We want to be filled with joy, with peace, with assurance, with love, with meaning, with purpose. We are born vessels that need to be filled. But we get dulled and we get diverted from our deepest yearnings and we instead replace them with diversions. The problem with diversions, um, diversions turn eventually into addictions, large and small. The world offers us distractions all the time. Distractions keep us from being present, from being here. See, the Lord is here, not there. It's not back then. It's not what it's had. It's here. And the distractions keep us from being present. In a society that's overstimulated, the church needs to help the congregants to detox. I think part of worship has to be a process of detoxification. So to gain determination to engage in the disciplines of faith instead of numbing our life away or titillating it. And by detoxing, we can be ready to experience the goodness and grace of God in the church community, in the Sunday services, increasing the experience and the expectancy of the worship service. The constant question we need to ask us as a church is are we titillating or are we helping engaging? You know, detox can be an uncomfortable process at times, even painful. Sometimes that's what I think worship has to be uncomfortable and painful. But in order for it to be effective, we have to put away our distractions. We stop expecting and growing impatient because sometimes we've been disappointed too many times. Sometimes we've come in hoping and expecting God to do something, and in the best of our knowledge, he didn't show up. That's the story of Larry, my friend on Facebook. Um, Larry, as I've caught up with his life, After that moment, the last moment I had him, remember of him at Moody memorizing Romans, uh, he had a journey of 30 years of God, I think, in many ways, disappointing him all the time. He married a woman. His life is really a crazy story. He married a woman who left him to uh, follow a uh, a South American revolutionary. or at least that's the story, how it, you know, how the rumor spread in, at the uh, alumni office. Um, but his wife, wife, first wife did leave him. His second wife uh, embezzled money from him. Um, and uh, his third wife, who he's with now, I went to visit him, and they are at each other's throat constantly. I think he's just been so disappointed. And now he has a, a suffering, alien wife. Uh, ailing mother who's in, been in pain, serious suffering for years. And he's taken, him into a, he's taken her into his house. And he's been too disappointed to expect anything from God anymore. Because this is how it goes. Sometimes life is disappointing, and we collect at times disappointment. And if there's enough boulders of disappointment on our shoulders, we start getting discouraged. And we ask ourselves, and we ask whatever's out there, why is this happening? But if it doesn't get answered and the bowlers don't get taken care of, the weight of it all stays on us to a point when, from disappointment to discouragement, we start getting disillusioned. And we ask ourselves, what's the use? And it's right there when we start at that place where we despair and we say, I give up. I don't expect anything anymore. That's my buddy Larry, all in a nutshell. Um, And sometimes we don't expect because we haven't been patient enough. You know, because... Expecting God requires waiting, and a waiting that is um, prepared, ready, and still. Waiting is not a passive thing. It's an active thing. In one illustration, waiting is like playing tennis. It's hitting the ball on the other side to God and preparing yourself be in the right position to receive that ball back. Sometimes waiting's like that. Sometimes waiting is like looking for meteors uh, in the sky. I was taking a, a group of us were taken to the University of Chicago Observatory near Lake Geneva in a period of time when meteors showers were supposed to be that, that weekend. And uh, first time i had been to an observer, that observatory in particular, and they took us through a tour to see through. We saw Saturn. Oh, that's so cool! Um, and then they said they had this big field in the back, um, and that's for the place of watching stars and looking for meteors. And say, so, okay, so a handful of us went, and the way you look for meteors is you lie on the ground, you look up, and you and you just wait. Um, <laughs> and what happens is, I sit, I lie down, I wait, and there's nothing, nothing, nothing happened. And I want to look here, Shoot, there went one right Like, dog, got it? Uh, what the? Um, and, uh, I look, you know, and I realized you cannot take your head, you cannot turn and look at something else. You cannot go to your pocket, pull out your iPhone, look at what time it is, and have this little flashy light in your face, because zoom. You miss it. It's gone. That's how waiting is sometimes. Waiting may be hitting the ball and positioning yourself, or waiting may simply be there, paying attention to the skies. So sometimes you are here coming on Sundays with something on your heart. Throw it out to the Lord, position yourself in the right position to receive it back. Other times maybe you have nothing. That's okay. Calm. And look into the sky, but don't take your eyes off or you'll miss. I'll be Bruce Lee for a moment. All the heavenly glories, right? Uh, Thanks. Uh, um, You know, waiting is a spiritual process um, that deepens us that refines us and so then satisfies us all the more than all those little bubbles, immediate gratifications um, that may be our alternatives. But in our impatience, we invest in those things instead. Sometimes there is silence and we have to wait for God, not because he's late, but because it's his timing. And we must be ready and prepared, expecting Him anytime. Today, you have something for me, Lord, to hear, to feel, to respond to. But sometimes your response appears slow to me. Help me to wait for you attentively. And that was the best one of them all. Oh, you so, um, The last part of this message is uh, from Jeremiah 2, 9 through 13. And uh, I'm just going to uh, look at the uh, last part of this verse here where it says, For my people have committed two evil. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. Um, They made an exchange from the living water to their own broken sisters. It's a imagery, and it seems like throughout Jeremiah, there's a lot of imagery of the ridiculous. Like, this is a ridiculous thing. Why would you do this? Um, But his people did. They made up their own cisterns that could hold no water. Sometimes we don't expect anything because we are too consumed with other things. In the weakening of our resolve, we have invested elsewhere. Our wills have choose to indulge in something different than the watering source, in a different watering source indulgences that we take in this world always turn eventually if you stay with them they start turning into entitlements we may once simply dabble in something but gradually we turn to it more and more and we eventually depend on it until we convince ourselves we need it and we even we're entitled to it It takes resolve to stay the course. It takes the mind to remember. It takes the heart to realize. And it takes the will to invest. You may not expect something because you don't invest in it. The people of Tuba City, the, the folks going, are afraid because things are changing. At the same time, the words of expect that I'm expecting God to do something is ever presence because they've invested in kingdom stuff. Sometimes we stop expecting because we've invested in other things. I'm gonna move along to my last part. Um Um, So expecting God requires not letting other things get in the way. Um, But I want to talk about God's response and ours. Um, So how does God respond to people who have stopped expecting him? Whether it be they, like Larry, and fall out, become deistic, or whether it be like us who come on our Sundays or wake up, on our Tuesdays and have forgotten him. And don't expect much of it, but just run through the course of the day. Well, I have three things. One, he woos us. That's the whole book. That's the whole Bible. It's all about wooing. And God's a wooer. But that's the book of Jeremiah. You know, that God is wooing them. Remember, you know, he may be exp- out of Jeremiah, I talk about um, great is my fa- the faithfulness, you know, something that I am your husband, yeah, and I'm worth it. You know? Our relationship is a beautiful thing. Come back to it. And for our responses, um, turn back. Turn around and start paying attention. At some stage, we have to s- decide to stop and cry out, Turn me around and help me see. Another uh, part of God's response is he may be breaking us. That's the whole uh, identity. When God spoke to the call of Jeremiah, I called you to break in order to build. That's in, in the uh, another part of the, Uh, passage we read, he said he's contending with us. Um, He breaks us of those bubbles or of those props that we live on or of those things that are starting to become idols. He's going to break them. He's going to break us. And our response is to accept it and to receive his discipline. Because here's the truth. Only Jesus can release us from our idolatry. And then the last response um, is that he promises us. If you stop expecting, um, one of the things he puts out there before you is that he has promises for you and I. In Jeremiah, there's this whole chunk of section um, between 30 and 34, but it's spread throughout the book of the New Covenant and the promise of something to come. And so God, when we stop expecting, I really believe that God is trying to put it out right in front of Larry's face. I think that's why I have 150 pages of dialogue with him. Because, you know, people have asked me, why do you spend so much time? I went to visit him uh, just so that I could pray with his his uh, mother, who is so, so ailing in pain. Uh, I don't know, except that I think, God, just, God is God. And, um, and I believe that God is putting out constantly again and again um, to Larry, I, uh, I promise I have something for you. Don't give up. We went to see uh, an old friend, uh, another moody guy on our floor, who lives in Rockford, when Larry came to visit me. And uh, his name's Clark. Clark was Larry's roommate, and uh, uh, we had a wonderful time. Clark talks a mile a minute, um, and, uh, but he's, he's just a great guy. And When we talked, um, out of nowhere, uh, Clark just talked about his six-year ordeal of caring for his uh, ailing mother um, when, and doing things that no son would ever want to do for a mother who couldn't care for herself. Um, and I thought, I just watched Larry and listened to Clark speak that, and Larry sit there, and Clark finally turned around to Larry and said, Larry, what do you think? And Larry, big, you know what Larry does for fun? He throws 400-pound tires around in his backyard. Um, so big old Larry um, tried to say something, and his voice started crackling. And uh, we had a wonderful weekend, and I think Clark spoke deeply into his life. And I asked him, Larry, about this, and here's Larry's resistance. You know, I I asked, well, that was providential. And uh, Larry made some sly, uh, silly, um, uh, sarcastic remark um, and uh, just kind of laid it down to coincidence. But I think God puts out his promises to you and I. And what he wants from us is to trust him relentlessly, um, to be fervent in our waiting. So, as I draw this, um, I really wanted to break the uh, preaching record. Um, So, I'm coming real close to it. Uh, But I'm right up in it enough. Uh, So, a few real practical things. Um, One is, ask the Lord to show up. Start asking the Lord to show up and show his power. Um, Jared said it. Lord, I have heard your fame. I stand in all your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our days. It isn't about to a city. It's about right here, right now. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Number two, practice asking, where is the Lord? So next Sunday service, I'll inspect this all. Between this greeting and I'm going to start doing this thing. um, There's an art, a spiritual art, of looking for and listening to the Lord. You need to start. Number three, it may take a fasting in order to get away from our distractions. You may want to stop something. Um. I hate to to make this public because I can't pull it back. One of the things I think I want to do at Tuba City is to give someone besides my wife my cell phone. um, Because in my idle moments, what I want to do is play something or look up Facebook. Um, But I want to fast from nothing. You know, it's okay. uh, But I need to fast from that because I want to kind of be at a place of purging and a new way of expecting God and seeing God in the days of my life. So you may take a fast. And then lastly, um, go to the well. You know, yeah, God could rain His grace anywhere, anywhere and at any time, whether you're looking or not. But it's more likely you're going to get the water at the well uh, than walking around randomly in the desert, which means reading His Word. Each day, which means praying, which means taking a moment for or two or three minutes. And I even with your children, say, okay, let's just be silent. See if God has something to say. Keep a journal about it, right? And come here on Sundays. Serving up the ball or looking at the stars. Because God has something boy, wouldn't it be wonderful that each Sunday we came expecting the Lord let's pray. I think my big biggest repentance uh has been that question that I first proposed in the beginning. Um, are you here? And how soon do you leave? And I, I, I in great confession, um, admit how easily I'm not in this moment. Or when I am, how quickly I move out of it, am not here. Make, make a resolve with the Lord to be attentive. Ask Him, cry out, Lord, train me. Because prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You know your distractions. You know your things that are starting to become obsessions. Lay them down. Make a covenant with the Lord that you would be attentive. Each day that he gives you to be on the lookout to where he is and what he's doing and what he's saying. I will leave you to finish up worship with the worship team. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church.